great and wonderful, amazing doctrinal uh, thesis as much as it is just some, some principles and then some, um, some tips or, or to, to what, how can we come alongside of somebody that's in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering? Because here's the reality, we're all going to face suffering. Those, we are, as individuals, those around us, are, we're all going to face pain. We're all going to face suffering. Maybe you know somebody who's been through something horrific. Maybe they had a diagnosis of a medical condition. Maybe they had an experience growing up. Whatever the case may be, we're all going to be impacted by pain and suffering. For some, it's more challenging than others. Last week, Anthony talked about the reality that we, we have different personalities. And sometimes our personality is, is impacted in different ways by pain and suffering. And so my, my goal is not to say this way is the way you deal with it, this way is not the way you deal with it, or this is how you do it, as much as it is to say, what is it like to come alongside and walk with somebody in their pain and suffering? So again, just some principles, some tools, some of the things that the Lord has taught me and, and I'm sure you guys know them. I'm just going to kind of wrap them up um, in, our, in our time together. For some, um, the journey through pain and suffering is, is going to be a lifelong process. For some, they're going to need some, some, uh, some therapy maybe with a counselor. They're going to need some really close friends to stick by them. Some loved ones to bring healing and wounds. For some, only face-to-face -face with Jesus someday is going is to bring healing to that pain and suffering. It's a significant topic. In fact, it's led some to totally reject Christ. It's led some to say, no, I don't believe in, in God because there is pain and suffering. For others, it's forced them to, and they've embraced the message of Jesus, the good news of the gospel. But it's something that we're all going to encounter. It, which kind of leads to this initial question, which a lot of people ask, and, and that initial question is, well, well why do we suffer? And I'm not, we're not going to get into this, but it's an interesting question nonetheless. And, and really, C.S. Lewis writes about it. Many people have written about it. But in, in C.S. Lewis's um, text, The Problem of Pain, he talks about this question. And, and, and one of the things he says is, he says, if somebody's asking that question, really it's because they believe in a greater good. So if somebody comes to you and they're asking, well, why is there suffering? Then somewhere deep in their heart, there, there's something in them that says, well, wait a minute. There's something gr good and something is broken that. And so there's this suffering, and I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the verse Ecclesiastes 3.11, and, and it says this, He has made everything beautiful in its time, also he has put eternity into man's heart. So that, that just that question of why kind of, I think, opens up the discussion, the conversation to, to realize that there is something greater that is good, and that for me, I believe, is the person in the work of Christ in, in the gospel and, and is the goodness of our, of our creator God. So if somebody is, is a true atheist and says, well, I don't believe in anything, they're probably not going to ask the question, why do bad things happen? Because they're going to probably say, well, it's just a part of kind of the fabric of life. But for those who, people who are, who are really wrestling and saying, well, wait a minute, I believe in something greater. Why, though, do these things happen? You might hear this question of the why. And really, again, we, we could probably spend weeks, months looking at, at different texts that have been written and different um, things that have been said, and we're not going to get too much into the why, except to note that, that people are asking that question. And if somebody's asking that question, it's a good thing because they're, they're probably wrestling with the fact that they believe in something that is greater, that is good. And what an opportunity we have as, as followers of Jesus in that moment. 
So we're not going to really focus on the why, but, but the reality is this. Suffering comes in all types. For some, it's the result of a personal choice. It could be the result of, of, of choices of previous generations. You know, we see this in, in the Old Testament in Scripture. We see that the nation of Israel made choices, that individuals made choices that affected many generations after them. So we know that, that, that even choices of previous generations can have impact and can cause suffering for others and for those after them, for next generations. It could just simply be the fact that we live in a world that's broken. We live in a world that is, is, has not yet been totally restored. When, when sin entered the world, when you read back in Genesis chapter 1, when, or Genesis back in the, in the beginning, when sin entered the world, everything changed. Everything changed. Scripture says, in this world, you will have trouble. Okay, so what God had established as this perfect relationship between he and humanity was, was significantly broken through the entrance of sin. And it, it only took one generation. You know, you think about, well, gosh, you know, they must have had some pretty good living for a few years. It took one generation to see the consequences of pain and suffering. As you, as you read about Cain and Abel and the, you read about the pride and the jealousy and eventually the murder that happens. One, not, not hundreds of years, <laughs> Sin changed everything. Well, what happens, though, when somebody's caught in the, the midst of, of pain and suffering? What then? Well, it's likely, again, that, that somebody might ask, well, why? Or what happens when somebody experiences somebody else and they're dealing with somebody else and they're saying, wait a minute, this person is a great boy. They've just, they're awesome. Why are they suffering? Why are they dealing with, with, with pain? Why, why did they get this disease? They didn't do anything wrong. It's, it's, a, it's a challenging question, but what I want to focus on this morning, just two, two simple different perspectives, and that is instead of looking at trying to answer that question of the why, I want to encourage you, we're going we're to look at, at who, who are those people that walk alongside of them, and then we're going to look at the what question. What is it that, that we can do as we walk alongside someone? And again, the who may be you as well, so I don't pretend and, and I don't want to say that, that we're not impacted or you're not impacted. Certainly we all are, as I mentioned in a minute ago. I want you to think back to, to a recent wedding. As you, as you think about the who, I want you to think back maybe a recent wedding. Maybe it's your wedding. Think back and, and let your mind's eye go back there and picture the wherever it happened and, and picture the two people that are getting married, maybe... The groom's up front, maybe the bride's walking down. Just picture that in your head. And, and maybe there's some, you know, some scripture reading at the wedding. And often there's a, you know, the, the love chapter of, of, you know, love is patient, love is kind. Or, or there are different passages of scripture. But one of the passages of scripture that's often read at weddings, it says this, and this is in Ephesians chapter 5. A man will leave his father and mother and will come together and be united to his wife. And I think this, this gives us this picture, as, as you think about this wedding, this reminder that, that we were not made to live alone. Again, look back in Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. It says, it is not good for a man to be, al for, for man to be alone. And so God then created Eve, and he, and he, he created this, this special, special partner to, to walk with him through the life. Now, I don't want you to take this and say that this means that everybody should be married. That's not what I'm suggesting. That's between you and the Lord. 
What I, what I am suggesting, though, is that we're all made to live in community. We're all made to live in community with one another. And so, so think about that. So, I mean, we pictured that wedding and you pictured that scripture verse. It's not good for us to be alone. So I want you to think about, has there ever been a time that you've been alone? Has there ever been a time that you've been alone? I remember when I was, um, a couple of memories come to mind. I remember when I was, um, when I was in college, I was uh, a residence uh, hall, not residence director, resident assistant um, when I was a student. And, um, and so as a, as a resident assistant, what we had to do is we had to be there before all the students showed up uh, for the semester, and then we stayed, I like, think, a week or so after all the students left. And I remember um, afterwards, specifically for that week after, you know, as we're cleaning up the dorm or whatever we're having to do, I don't even remember it all, but I remember it just being kind of strange. Here, this, this dorm that was just excited with life for that whole calendar or um, year of, of with being with all of my, my college friends, it was just empty. You know, all the rooms had been cleaned out, um, all the you know, posters on the wall were gone, um, and it was just empty. And I remember just this, this feeling of just kind of like, gosh, this just feels so strange that everybody's gone. Another experience that I remember of, of feeling alone or, or being alone is um, I, I had a, a year-long deployment to Iraq uh, when I was an Army chaplain. And um, I remember when I was on the plane— and um, going over to, we were flying from Georgia actually over to um, Germany to stop in Germany and then on to Iraq. And I, I remember, I remember uh, opening up my, my backpack and my wife had made a calendar for me. And on the calendar was um, a picture of, of, of the family of my boys, of her, um, each month of the year. And so it was 12 months because that's how long I was going to be gone. January to December. I was actually gone for a calendar year. And I remember being on that plane, and I remember just weeping and just crying because I wasn't going to be able to see my family for that year. I wasn't, I was, now, now you say, well, well, Rob, you couldn't have been alone. No, I wasn't alone. I had tons of soldiers around me. I had tons of people around me, but my best friend, my, my wife, my family, they weren't going to be there. There was this sense of being alone, of just like, Lord, where, what, what, what do I do this year? Not just grieving, certainly grieving the, the year that I would miss with my family, but also just this sense of being alone. We see it, we see it even in Jesus. There he is, Jesus is on the cross. So there, he's taking on the sin of the world. Okay, now remember, as he's dying on the cross, he is he's dying for my, all of my sin, all of yours, all of the world, through all of time. It's being put on his shoulders. And he cries out, why have, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The father who, who, who can't, he can't deal with sin, who can't be a part of it, as Jesus is carrying this sin of all generations of the whole time. Now this, this passage points back to, um, back to a psalm, but it also just reminds us of, of the, the sacrifice and the suffering that Christ went through. The immense disconnect from the Father because of the sin that was resting on Jesus' shoulders. Now this doesn't mean that we're, we're never to go off and be alone. We see this in, in Scripture. We see Jesus who goes off and he, he gets by himself and he communes with the Father. It's an important thing to, to get off and spend some time alone in, in being with the Lord or, or just kind of resting. 
But we need time, not only to rest, but we need community. We need to be one another, to be with each other. Community is a common theme in scriptures. We see it in the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel being a community. We see it as the disciples, the disciples being a community. Jesus sent out the disciples in community when he sent them out two by two. He didn't send them out alone and say, hey, go and have fun. Hope you work out. He sent them out two by two and, he's, and, 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 and in community to go and, and to share the good news of Jesus. The Trinity itself, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, community. All examples of community. As we just mentioned ago, a minute ago, man and wife, community. And the cool, the, the, the exciting thing about this, this passage of, of, the, of man and wife and of this picture of, of marriage is that Scripture talks to us that, that this is a mystery between this man and wife. He says, but it's not. The, 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 the picture of the, of the husband and wife is the picture of Christ and his church. Again, we get this picture of community between a husband and wife now going over to, to the community that is represented between Christ and the body, the church. Community is a vital part of being a part of the church, being a part of the body of Christ, being a part of God's kingdom. It is an important component of who we are. So think about this as, as we look at that first passage. I want you to think about for a minute, we, we think importance of community, but who is your community? So we go back to Galatians chapter 6, and we're not going to read it all, but Galatians chapter 6, 1 through 5, um, we read it just a moment ago, but I want you to hear this one thing. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens is the first thing I want to look at. Notice, first of all, there are burdens in this life. When you think about suffering, you think about brokenness, you think about pain, they're burdens. But not only are there burdens in this life, there are burdens that require others to come alongside and support us. So this word here for burdens is not just simply like, oh boy, that's heavy. No, it's like this, this you've got to think about this, I'm not a camper, but maybe think about like a, a camping pack that's like weighing you down. Or think about, um, you know, you think about these big plastic um, boxes that, that require two people to carry. This is not something that's light and simple, like, oh, I'm just going to go on a picnic. No, this is a huge, heavy burden. And it contrasts itself with that verse down in, chapter, in verse 5 of chapter 6, each one should carry his own load. And that, in, in that initial, that original word down there is actually, yes, a light kind of like a backpack. We're all going to have things that we have to carry, but this first word, burdens, is an overwhelming sense of, of, of a weight. There are burdens in this life. And so in this particular instance in Galatians, he talks about somebody caught in a sin. Now notice, though, he doesn't say, in, in, again, so in that, that section of Scripture, there's no rebuke in this instance. Now certainly there are times in Scripture that, that there is obvious a place for rebuke, for correction, for discipline even. But in this instance, there's no rebuke. Rather, there's instruction on supporting the one that's, that's caught in this sin, that's struggling. Now don't hear me say, please, that all of struggling is a part of, excuse me, is there a, a cause, excuse me, that all of personal sin is, is the cause of all suffering. That's not what I'm suggesting. Certainly that sin will cause suffering, but, but as we just noted a minute ago, it could be they're suffering as a result of somebody else's even sin or the result of just living in this broken world. 
there are burdens that we all face. And one of the challenges with those who have experienced maybe significant um, pain or trauma in their lives is the tendency to look to something else to dull or alleviate the pain. Some people, you know, as they're dealing with their own pain, maybe they're dealing with a new diagnosis, maybe they're dealing with some depression or something else, and, and they look to substances, they look to alcohol, maybe to drugs or to something else. You know, some people even look to work. And they say, well, I'm just going to keep working because I don't want to deal with it. I can't, my mind can't go quiet because then I've got to deal with the pain and suffering that in. So I'm just going to work. And I saw this even with, in the army and especially with, with officers because there's so much work and they would just work crazy hours of the day. And meanwhile, the families are suffering um, and, and they're being pulled apart because they're never home. So some people even dull their pain of suffering of, of just through work or other things, other experiences. This significant load is, is heavy. There are weights that we are not called to carry alone. So who is your community when you think about those weights? Now, I can't define those weights for your life. I can't define those weights for those, those, weights, excuse me, for those that you're walking next to. But who is your community? Who are those people that, that when, when th- something comes in your life or something comes in somebody else's life, that you're walking alongside of them or they're walking alongside of you because we're all going to have these experiences in our life. Who is your community? Who are those that help you carry the load? Could be a spouse. It could be an amazing friend. It could be your community group through, your, through, through the church here or a person in your community group. Those, those community groups are, are, are designed as a place to gather together, to come together, to, to share those burdens, to share the weight of, of what does it mean to walk in, in this painful world. So, who's, so that, that first question, again, is, is who is your community? Because we all need one. And I'm telling you, sometimes it's hard because you want to, you know, give a little bit and find that community. And so you try to find it and then maybe you get shot down or, or something happens and, and, and you're looking for that community. Let me just encourage you, encourage you, if you don't have that community in your life yet, to keep praying about it and seek the Lord. Because it is his heart that you have that. We are not called to walk in this world alone. The second thing I want to encourage you with and kind of ask you about is Whose community are you a part of? Now think about this for a second. I've had times in my life, in, in my workplace, where, where I've had the opportunity to be a part of somebody else's life and their journey. And, and what I've noticed is, is something will be stressful at work, something will be challenging, and then I'll take a few minutes just to spend a little bit of time with that person, and all of a sudden then I start to get to the root. Because it's really not about the stress of that moment, but there's something else, and it's about you know, the family member who I can't believe that this is happening to them or this isn't the way it should happen or, or maybe it's a financial issue and like, oh gosh, we're out of money and all of a sudden the car broke down or the air conditioner broke or whatever and I start to get to the root of, of what's really going on by just by, by being there with them. Whose community are you a part of? Whose community are you a part of that, that they've entrusted to you their story? Maybe it's a little bit. I'm not suggesting you're walking with them and you're, you know, you become, they become dependent upon you. But I'm saying maybe for a moment as they're carrying, picture in your head, they're carrying this really heavy box. And for a moment they set it down 
And you get to walk on side of them and pick up a, a side just maybe for 10 minutes and walk with them. You pick up that side and you're walking with them and, and you're, you're a part of that life as they're journeying through the, the challenges that they're facing as they're just laying out, gosh, this is what's going on. Now again, this is not some sense of idealism where, where everything's perfect and everything is hunky-dory and we never have any problems and, and we don't ever have any conflict, but, but that opportunity rather just to, to be a part of somebody's life. I'm sure it's happened to you before. Maybe you haven't noticed it, but what an opportunity to, to think about whose community are you a part of. There's one more community, though, that I want to mention. So you think about your own community. Who are those people that walk with you? Who are those people that you walk with? But then the ultimate, and this is, this is where the, the second passage that was just read, and we're going to read this fully, and that's Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. And Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Look at that. My burden is light. Think about that, think about that heavy backpack somebody's trying to wear all on their own. Maybe you are. Maybe I do. I know I, I put things on my back sometimes that are not mine to carry. And what does Jesus say? He says, come to me. This is really the ultimate role of community. Not simply to help carry somebody's load, but to carry that load to the foot of the cross and to bring it to Jesus. Now, now the careful thing is, that, is how do we do that, which we're going to get to in just a minute. But this is the ultimate. People long for this type of community. People long for somebody that's going to walk alongside of them, for somebody that's going to bring hope, for somebody that's going to bring encouragement in the midst of pain and suffering. For somebody that's going to bring authenticity to say, I struggle too. You're not alone in this. We'll carry this together. People are longing for that, and we, the church, have that to offer. Picture in your head, whatever weight you may be carrying, whatever weight maybe somebody else is carrying in your life, Depression, cancer, fear, loneliness, self-loathing, trauma. We are not called to carry it alone. You might even have two people helping you. You might have somebody that's a friend that's walking alongside of you. You may have a, a, a pastor, a counselor uh, that's walking alongside of you as well. It's not a one-time experience, by the way, too. This idea of bringing stuff to Jesus, it's not like, okay, I brought it to him, it's done, woo! Everything's perfect. There's a continual coming back and, and, and laying down that load because I want to pick it back up again. I don't know if you do, but sometimes I want to pick it back up again. And so a friend comes alongside and says, well, no, let's take that again. Let's take that to the Lord. The journey of, of taking it to Jesus is not a one-time experience. Charles Spurgeon, the great American preacher, suffered significant depression for quite a bit of his ministry. Paul talks about a thorn in the flesh, which we don't know about. But he says, I prayed and I prayed that the Lord would remove it, but he decided, he decided not to. And so what does Paul say? He says, I rejoice in my weakness. That's not something we do in, as, as, as Americans. We don't rejoice in weakness. We rejoice in strength. <coughs> Excuse me. But Paul said, I rejoice in my weakness. 
David, a man after God's own heart, messed up in numerous ways at multiple times of his life, and yet he was still a man after God's own heart. This taking of the yoke of Jesus is, is, is a constant part of our lives as we, as we take things to the Lord. So there's this foundation of, 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 again, of who is your community? Whose community are, has God given you to be a part of? How are you a being a part of taking that load, taking that, that heavy backpack, whatever you want to call it, that, that heavy box to the, feet, to the foot of the cross? So now what can you do? Again, this kind of gets back to that first question. So how do we do this? And I believe scripture gives us some guidelines and we're going to close with these, these guidelines. First is presence. We see the presence of God. We see the presence of Jesus. We see the presence of the Spirit throughout scripture. Think back to Exodus when the nation of Israel was leaving slavery. The presence of God, visible by day as a cloud, by night as the flame. <coughs> Excuse me. Look at Jesus' presence. Look at him at the grave of his friend Lazarus. As, as he goes to the, his, his friend, he's called and he said, and, and, come and come to, he's dying, he's going to die. Jesus patiently waits and he goes to his friend Lazarus' tomb and he has already died by that point. And what does Jesus do? Scripture says Jesus wept. He sees those around him as they're dealing with the suffering and the pain of the loss of this friend. He's feeling that for himself and he wept. In the midst of someone's pain, we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. One of the challenges we face in, in the cultures, is, at least I face, I don't know if you do, is the desire to fix things. Again, this gets back to my first story. I want to I be a part of fixing things. And something's broken, I want to see it fixed. And so when we see somebody that's hurting or that's in pain or that's, we'll say, quote unquote, broken, well, but I want to fix them. How do I fix them? Well, I need to pick them up and bring them to Jesus. And so, so sometimes what we'll do is, is, is we'll try to rush things. And we'll be present with them, but we'll try to rush. And, and, and instead of allowing them to be in their hurt and pain for a few moments, for a while, and, and to struggle, we just want to rush them to, to the foot of Jesus. And they're not, it's not time. We initially, we got to be present with them. Presence isn't just physical presence, it's being there empathizing with them. It's difficult sometimes, but it's important. So there's a, an importance of just being present in somebody's life. And then one other tool that I think is important to think about, and that is in, uh, James mentions it. He says, be quick to listen in James chapter one. Listening. The importance of listening to somebody's story. Listening to the hurt and the pain that they're, that they're going through. Listening to what does it mean to, for them to be in this moment? What are they struggling with? It's a skill that can be developed. Pete Scazzaro talks about it in, in his book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. He talks about incarnational listening. Others talk about it, they call it active listening. It takes practice. Because again, I want to get to the end. To be willing to be with somebody, present with them, to listen to them. Not to run away in fear. Not to try to fix the problem. Not to try to even defend God. Simply to listen. To listen to somebody's pain, to be present in their hurt with no agenda. To lift up that, that, that load that they're carrying. 
and walk with them. Do I want to bring them to the, to the place of Jesus? Yes, I do. Do I want to tell them scriptures like all things work together for good? Yes, I do. But in that moment, I want to just be with them and I want to listen. There are times that we just need to be present and listen to some folks as we walk with them in their journey of pain. So again, the question is, who's your community? Who are those around you? Whose community are you a part of? What does it look like to be a part of taking people and being with them as we actively want them to know the hope that Christ offers? He does offer hope. He is, as, as, as the Matthew passage says again, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. I want people to experience that. But I know that sometimes I have to be with them in their hurt and pain so that I can bring them to that place. I know that I've got to experience it too. I know I need people in my life to remind me of that. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for the reality, Lord, that you have conquered death. Lord, that the pain, that the, the hurt, that the suffering that we experience is, is ultimately, has been, will be made right. Lord, that, that someday we will stand face to face with you as followers of, of you, Lord, that, and as believers, Lord God, and that you will wipe away the tears. But Lord God, there are burdens that we carry. There are burdens that other people are carrying. Lord, I pray you would give us wisdom, give us patience as we walk with folks through those times. Lord, I pray that remind us of your presence. Lord, may we pursue you even in the hurt and the pain. May we encourage others to pursue you even in the hurt and the pain. But Lord, may we do it in a way that honors them and honors you. And we give you praise, Lord, for the work that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.